It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Gordon Hayward looked as good as ever, and Jason Tatum takes over. Celtics win in Orlando over Orlando on this Monday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, John Corrales, MassLive.com, Boston Celtics beat reporter. Welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Today I am in my new place in a new town just outside of Boston. So apologies if things sound a little bit different. Maybe they sound a little bit off using some different equipment for right now. But still podcasting, still coming to you Monday through Friday on this daily Celtics podcast. If you're a new listener, you're going to get this daily, so subscribe, follow on Spotify, get it straight to your device so you can get this podcast every single day. Hey, buy my book, The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. It's available on Amazon.com, wherever you get your books. Go ahead and pre-order now and get it in December when the book drops. So Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, search for it or search for my name on Amazon or wherever you get books. The Boston Celtics beat the Orlando Magic 122-119 in overtime. In the first segment, positives from this game. Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward. In the second segment, negatives. A little bit of a, a drop in the effort from the Toronto game. The rebounding was poor. Ennis Cantor, not a great game. And Kemba Walker shooting. The third segment, I'm going to talk about that Toronto game from Friday. So, let's start now with the positives from this game first, let's look at the quick box score numbers. 122-119 win. The Celtics were led by Gordon Hayward, who had 31 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Followed very closely by Jason Tatum's 29 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. And Jalen Brown chipped in 19, 10 points for Brad Wanamaker off the bench. Boston Celtics did not shoot particularly great overall, but... They did enough to win and beat the Orlando Magic. So we're going to start with the positives. And the first positive to me, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward looked great in this game. Gordon Hayward looked better than I've ever seen him look as a Boston Celtic. He looked a lot like Utah Gordon Hayward, especially in that first half. And I really am not trying to overreact. I'm not trying to be dramatic about this. I think that Gordon Hayward looked better than he has throughout his Celtics career. Now remember, he lost the first year due to that injury. The second year was the rehab, and this is now his third year, and he's now progressed to this point. He said after the game, when the Celtics, when when I attack, when I'm aggressive, we're at our best. Brad Stevens kind of echoed that. And it was interesting earlier in the year that, earlier in the week, that, that he kind of acknowledged that he overpasses sometimes, that he needs to be a, a little bit more aggressive in, in looking for his own shot. And I don't know why 
that particular time when he said it, it struck me that he said it. And I think it's important that he acknowledged it because he has always just basically said, I'm trying to make the right play and blah, 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 blah. And that's great. But sometimes you're when you're Gordon Hayward and you're that good, you got to look for your own shot. He finally kind of admitted it, it feels like. And now he's really going out there and looking for his. And the good thing is looking for his doesn't mean not looking for other players. He had a great play with Jason Tatum where Tatum drove, kicked it out to Gordon Hayward on the right side in the right corner. Tatum just kind of was floating along the baseline. Hayward drove, got past his defender. As soon as Tatum saw it, he went and replaced Hayward, kind of like wheeled around. And he knew that his guy had to go over and and stop Gordon Hayward, which means Tatum was going to be wide open. Hayward drove, took that little extra step. He knew that Tatum was going to be behind him with no no defender on him. Then he turned and whipped that pass, and it became a warm-up shot for Tatum. So Hayward is right now kind of at his peak. This is what the Celtics tried to sign when they when they took him from Utah. This was the this was the Gordon Hayward that they were hoping to pair. Actually, this before they even got Kyrie, this was the guy that they had hoped to just bring in and be like the focal point of their offense to play alongside Isaiah Thomas. So, and I think Scal said something like that 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 Hayward was kind of on the rise and was already a Western Conference All-Star. So this is the guy. This is the guy that they're, they've been wanting, and, and they got him. Tatum was also a big positive in this. Again, that 29 points, that was huge, and most of it came late. And the, the big thing for Tatum, the next step for Tatum is the takeover ability. Not just like when he was getting hot and, and, and dominating games. That's not what I'm talking about. The Tatum, that that step that I'm talking about is a little bit like what we saw in this game against Orlando. Team's not going great. Maybe one of your other stars is not shooting great. And so you've got to be the guy that finds your shot, takes your shot, and makes your shot to channel kind of a little Mike Gorman there. Kemba Walker, at the end of the game, with six seconds to go or so, got the ball back. From Jason Tatum. Tatum had the ball in the post. He kicked it out to Kemba. And Kemba gave it right back to him. He said, nope, you're taking this shot. Kemba basically said, you got this. You've got the mismatch. You can shoot over the top of this guy. Do it and make the shot. Let's go to overtime and win this game. And that's exactly how it went. And I I tried to ask Tatum after the game about him getting that pass from Kemba. And getting that basically... Hey, you're the guy from Kemba. And he says it maybe he, he said it meant something. It meant it was big. He didn't really get too deep into it because he's not going to talk much about that. But he knew that that was big. And I think that's that's something that um is is important. That Kemba, and especially I've talked about this a bunch of times on the podcast before, that Kemba can come in and take Jason Tatum and take Jalen Brown and give them that confidence. And that they don't feel like they're taking away from somebody when they go for their own shot. That is super important. And Tatum went and hit that three to bring them within two, hit that two, and then took over in the overtime and kind of made it so it doesn't matter how 
little or how much less effort there was or any of these other negatives I'm going to talk about in the next segment. He basically said, I'm doing this now. And he did it. And now he needs to keep doing it. It's not going to happen all the time, but that's the next level. Tatum is is now reaching kind of all NBA level play. You know, third team all NBA level play. Maybe second team all NBA. You want him to be first team? You want him to be one of the best five players in the league? That's the next step. Take over ability, superstardom. Another positive, Jalen Brown, his confidence. He's just playing with confidence. He's shooting with confidence. He's stepping into these shots. He's really, I just, I've said it before, not much more to talk about there. It's He's really showing that he can roll through. If Hayward's going, if Tatum's going, no problem. Jalen Brown can kind of navigate those waters and kind of fill in the gaps and go ahead. As Kendrick Perkins said before the game, they don't call a lot of plays for Jalen Brown. They don't. They, uh, there's a lot of this stuff that's called for other people, and Jalen ends up being one of the recipients, and he's he's making the most of it. They showed on the broadcast he's fourth in the NBA in corner threes. That's perfect, and he's shooting them with confidence. He's stepping into these above the break threes. He's shooting them off the pick and roll pull ups. It's it's just awesome to watch. Last shout out here. On the positives, shout out to Rob Williams. I'm going to talk about him in the third segment because of that game against Toronto. But Rob is showing a little bit of something, and I don't I don't know how quickly he's going to start picking up a lot of these defensive things, these fundamental things that he needs to do in order to stay on the floor. I don't know what he's going to end up giving the Celtics in the playoffs if he's going to fall into bad habits. I don't know, and I've obviously been very critical of Rob Williams because. I know what he's capable of. I know what he's capable of. And in these last two games, he comes in immediately. Within like three seconds, he catches an alley-oop from Marcus Smart. And then uh, the next play down, Kemba Walker with a vicious crossover, drop down to Rob in the dunker spot, finishes it. That's perfect. That's exactly the type of stuff that they need him to be. And then the other stuff, poking the ball free defensively, taking a couple of dribbles, finding a guard, getting that play started, uh, getting the ball, uh, getting an offensive rebound, making a nice pass, like a hockey assist, over to Smart. Smart made an awesome pass to, I think, Gordon down low. It it was just an amazing sequence. But Rob is starting to pick up these little things. I don't know what that ultimately means for him in these playoffs, but I know it's good. And I know that this shows us something, some promise for the future. And it might click. It might not. Maybe it'll be more gradual. But it was really fun to to watch him out there. And I think I think he's showing you, he's showing you that there's something there for um, for him. I am a CBD user. I use CBD for my own kind of recovery and you know because I'm a former basketball player I've got aches and pains I use the CBD to kind of help ease those it doesn't matter if you're like me if you're a professional athlete or a stay-at-home parent or if you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair everybody needs support 
to make it through the day. And our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. That's why I use the CBD. To make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com with the promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. When the Boston Celtics, the third seed in the East, have to go to overtime to beat the Orlando Magic at 32 and 39 and just barely making it into the playoffs by three, you know that there have to be some negatives. And the first negative is the letdown. I I think after that, awesome, like amazing game that I'm going to talk about next segment. It's very predictable that there was going to be a letdown. The Celtics are the third seed, sealed, done, delivered. Nothing they do hurts them as far as their seeding. They can't control their opponent anymore. They just have to sit and wait. Their next games are against Memphis and against Washington. So nothing that they do changes the fact that they're the third seed and they're sitting and waiting. So there's nothing to get juiced up about. The Toronto game was kind of a statement game. They needed a game like that. This game, eh. And we all talked about before uh, on Twitter, if they play like they played against Toronto, this game would have been over by halftime. But they didn't. And you can see in some of the effort things, the third quarter offensive rebounding was atrocious. A defensive rebound, I should say. The offensive rebounding for the Orlando Magic is what gave them the lead and what kept the Celtics from pulling away. The In the third quarter, Orlando had five offensive rebounds. Boston had six total rebounds, all defensive, no offensive rebounds. So Orlando was crashing the glass. They had 11 second chance points. And then the Celtics compounded that in the fourth quarter by just giving up 
easy looks from three on out of bounds plays. Out of bounds play a, a corner three. That's inexcusable. There and you could hear Scal kind of bemoaning that stuff. It's just they fell asleep. They weren't putting in the same the same level of effort. They kind of felt like we're just going to cruise to this. And and they they kind of did. And in the process, there was like a sort of positive in there. You can spin to that positive, and Brad Stevens spun it to that positive with you know a minute forty five or so left, down five. Hey, we've sucked all day. We got to come back and win this game, and they did. That's a positive, but they should have never been there in the first place. Like it's great that we got this situation that Jason Tatum had to take over and score five points in the last, what was it, 45 seconds or so, 30 seconds. That's great that he had to do that. And we're sitting here, it's talking about one of the positives is Tatum in overtime. Well, Tatum in overtime doesn't really happen without the Celtics kind of screwing up to that point. So in a weird way, it was kind of good for them to get this um, – put themselves in this situation where somebody had to step up. But really, honestly, what you'd rather have is the effort from the beginning so you didn't have to deal with that. So depends on your perspective, depends on how you look at it. Brad Stevens certainly wanted to spin it a more positive way. Um, Brad Stevens, very predictable. And I'll talk a little bit about that in the next segment too. Bad, bad effort, but they won. He's going to play it up a little bit. Good for the guys for coming back. Great effort. In, in a win, a uh, huge win, he's like, eh, eh, can only take so much from it. But I'll, I'll talk about that uh, a little bit in the next segment. Uh, Ennis Cantor, it's, it's night or day with him. He's either good or he's bad. When he's good, he's out there. He's, he's at least, you, like, you know what the deficiencies are going to be with Cantor. But within those deficiencies, he can do other stuff well. So, yes, he can rebound. Yes, he can give you putbacks. That's not a problem. He can, you know, you know, you're going to get at least a couple of those throughout the game when he plays. And he played what eight minutes and got eight rebounds and four offensive rebounds and scored four points. And he had a couple of misses. He had a couple of free throws. So okay, that that stuff is what Ennis Cantor does. But the post ups when. It's when he, he's not going well. Like I, I can deal with the post-up when things are going great for him. I can't when he's forcing it. Um, and his strength, one of his strengths is his strength. And Nikola Vucevic just trucked him in the post. Vuce just killed Cantor. And that that's if Cantor is not able to stop a guy like Vucevic in the post, then that he's useless out there. He's supposed to at least be able to match up against the other team's big and stop him from backing down and stop him from getting easy looks. And he did not do that. So that's why he only played eight minutes. That's, and I'll, I'll tell you when Ennis Cantor is good. I can tell you when he's making positive impacts and you deal with some of the negatives that he brings. He's not an all-star. No one's going to pretend that he's an all-star, but He's got to do certain things well. And if he can't do those certain things well, then his deficiencies become magnified to an incredible degree and it's just not worth having him on the floor. 
Final negative here, uh, Kemba Walker had an off night. I don't know what to make of it, but he played thirty, almost 32 minutes right at his uh, minutes restriction. That's, that's a good number, but 0 for 5 from 3, 1 of 9 overall. His shooting, I mean, he, he was okay against Toronto, but his shooting hasn't been overall great in, in this restart. And it's understandable that he hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. He's on this plan, and he hasn't been able to fully participate in everything. So that is problematic. But at some point here, we're going to need to see him kind of go for his a little bit. And I think against Memphis, he, he's got to come out in that first quarter. I think it would be great to see him come out and have like a, a four for six first quarter. Like I, I think he needs to do that. And I think the rest of the guys can will be happy to see him kind of do that. So uh, that I, I'm not worried. I'm not, this is not a big deal, but we're getting to a point where I'd like to see him just, just get, get yourself going, get yourself going. Same for Marcus smart a little bit. He's, he's not been shooting particularly well in this restart. So, but Kemba, it, it's time to get Kemba going. When we return the Toronto game, which was, like I said before, maybe the best game of the season. The best choice for you when you need a car parts is rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com for anything you need for your car. Don't bother going to one of those brick and mortar chain stores when you, you, know, you know, go through the supermarket and you go, oh, by the way, I need to get this or that from this chain store. Because if you need a part for your car, there's a good chance that they're not going to have it there. They're going to have to order it, which means they're going to do what you can do at home anyway, going onto a website and tick, 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 put your stuff information in and get something back. And when they do it, there's no guarantee you're going to get exactly what you want. When you go to rockauto.com, you're going to be able to get exactly what you want. Why would you choose to spend 30 to 50 to 100% more for the exact same parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? That's insane. That's not smart. Shop smart. Go to rockauto.com because the chain stores have a different price for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com, it's all the same. They don't change their prices based on what the market will bear, like an airline. That's silly too. Rockauto.com is for everybody. It does not require membership, does not require an account login. It doesn't matter if you're buying something like an engine control module or motor oil. You can get everything at rockauto.com. Go there right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. 
Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Well, the Boston Celtics on Friday night played their best game of the season. It ended up being a 122-100 win over the Toronto Raptors, but the Celtics were up by 40 at one point, and that was just an utter domination. I can't let the podcast pass without at least mentioning a couple of things from that game. The, like I said before, Brad Stevens, I knew it. I was texting Tom Westerholm, my partner at Mass Live, uh, that how long would it take before Brad says there's nothing to take from this game? And almost right away, he said, eh, I don't know what there is to take from this game. It's very on brand. When something goes extraordinarily well, he wants to dismiss it. He's not going to heap a lot of praise on his guys. He wants to make sure that they stay hungry. When there's a tough game, especially a tough loss, he'll always say, unless they really sucked, um, but if they try and they lose, he'll always say, there's stuff to take away from this game. So, that's a very Brad way to do it. And you know what? He's kind of right. I don't know what to take from a game where the Raptors were up, where we're down by 40. When you're up by that much, it's almost too good. Like, it becomes the aberration. There was a stretch there where you're like, wow, it's amazing what they're doing. And then they kept on doing it and kept on doing it and kept on doing it. And you're like, all right, they're almost doing it too easily. And it kind of crosses the threshold where, you know, if you're, if you travel halfway around, if you travel around the world, at some point you've gone so far that you're traveling back to where you were, you know, you've gone so far that you're now on your way back. And the Celtics kind of crossed that where they, they were so good that now they're like, okay, maybe there's something else at play here. And I do think there was something else at play. And I do want to make sure that I think. One of the takeaways from that game has to be that Toronto did get some, you know, have some frustration early in that game. Toronto did have some decent looks that they missed early in the game. And then as Boston's defense really kicked in and forced them into bad shots and forced them into tough shots, forced them into shots that they didn't necessarily want to take. When that stuff started happening, Toronto at some point, like they they had one good push back in them. And when Boston pushed back after that, it all fell apart. So pride from Toronto said, okay, we're gonna we're not gonna let this happen to us. And then at some point they said, you know what? We're gonna let this happen to us because they're already the two seed. There's nothing for them to fight for. They don't care who they face in the first round, so it didn't matter what happened against the Celtics. Again, pride, yes, pride. they are prideful. Players do not want to get torched like they did. Every player, anybody who's played in a sanctioned basketball game at any level has gotten torched like the Raptors did, and it gets to a point where you almost have to throw it away. You take from the game some of the matchup stuff that the Celtics did, but from a Toronto perspective you kind of like look at it as if this were a playoff game, if that were game one of a seven game series, that, that lead doesn't get to 40. This, I think Toronto would have fought back. Celtics might still have won by 20, but it would have been a much different kind of game. So we have to, from a Celtics perspective, understand that there wasn't the kind of impetus to have Toronto 
fight the way they should have against the Celtics. So that, I think, is a big grain of salt to go from that win. However, I set that up just to say that the Celtics still, still would have won that game, game one or game seven, regardless the way they played, because they played that game almost perfectly. It started with the defense, and the Celtics' defense in that game was connected. It was that we talk about them being on a string, moving in concert with one another. They did such a good job of rotating. They did such a good job of helping each other out. Uh, There was one play in, in particular that they got Kemba switched onto a big, and they scram switched out of there before I think it was Gasol could get the ball, that Tice was able to get back in there and defend the play, and I think they got to stop out of that. And that's that's the type of stuff that the Celtics need to be doing, the stuff that they weren't doing. And I remember one of the post games, I forget which one, um, but maybe against maybe against Miami, that they didn't do that, and it cost them. That's That's the type of stuff that they were doing, this connected defense. They had Jalen Brown on Pascal Siakam, and he didn't let Siakam get to his sweet spot. He was very good against Siakam in the post. Siakam has this great spin move that it's like a signature move for him. And Jalen, knowing the scouting report, really read when and felt when Siakam was going to go to that and slid very well. I thought Jalen's defense on Siakam was fantastic in that game. And so the Celtics showed that they can match up defensively against the Raptors. They forced guys like Gasol to take shots that they didn't want to take. Gasol was trying to back down and he wouldn't they wouldn't let him get to his spot. He ended up taking like fallaways and and shots that were maybe a couple feet further away than he wanted to. Uh, they forced the Raptors bigs to take threes that were contested and they they didn't make them. I thought defensively the Celtics were as good as we've seen them in just about any game this season. And then that turns into offense and we saw ball movement. Compare that that Toronto game to this game against Orlando. The ball movement we saw against Toronto was crisp and it was purposeful and the ball moved the exact right amount of times. They drove, they kicked, the ball got side to side, they pulled open holes and lanes in the defense and they attacked those. Against Orlando, when they did move the ball, they did have stretches where you're like, well, okay, they're moving the ball. The Celtics did a lot of like, catch the ball, fake, dribble, move it, fake, dribble, pass it. Um, They kind of were moving the ball, but not as crisply. They were a little slow, a tick slow in moving the ball. And then they, they kept on passing and started to overpass in the Orlando game. So, I don't know if they wanted to get fancy, if they were trying to have uh, go for highlights or what. I, I don't know. But against Toronto in the half court, 
that ball movement was was popping. The ball was popping. And it's all about when we when I saw the Celtics like pump faking, trying to get guys to fly by them, it's it felt like they were trying to like be a little too spursy. You know what I mean? Uh, against Miami, I mean, I'm sorry, against Toronto, they really just attacked. When somebody was closing out on them, they didn't just fake and go, but they just drove and attacked and made that person stop and change direction and overreact. That's how you move the ball. So I thought I thought that was um, a very good uh, offensive display as well. Guys were, were hitting their shots. Um and then we saw the beginnings of the Rob Williams, kind of the Rob that we were hoping for. He was really good in that game. Ennis Cantor didn't play. And he that's the type of series where you can't you you can't have him play. If the Celtics meet Toronto in the second round, then I don't think Ennis Cantor gets off the bench in the second round unless he has to. Well, I shouldn't say I don't think. He shouldn't is is more like it. Because a guy like Rob puts so much pressure on the rim, like against Orlando. Come in, pick and roll, get that lob from Marcus Smart. Hit and Marcus Smart coming in. They have this thing. That's why when I wrote on Mass Live the three questions about Marcus Smart, him, the second point of that was him and Robert Williams connecting as a pick and roll partner. Instead of Ennis Cantor clogging the lane and Marcus Smart having to throw floaters, if he drives and the big comes over to try to stop him from getting all the way to the rim, lob it up. If the big doesn't come over and he respects the lob, lay it up. It's, it's, that's the type of scenario that Marcus Smart has if, if Robert Williams can stay on the floor. So... Hopefully, that game, the Orlando game, we're starting to build towards something. The next two games are going to be important for Robert Williams to get a little bit more, a little bit more repetition. You don't have to play Ennis Cantor. Cantor is who he is. If if you ultimately decide that you're going to go to Cantor, then he'll still, even if he doesn't play the next two games, he'll still go into that that first round and be who he is. Play Rob. Get him out there. Let's see if he can continue to build on these last two performances. His performance against Toronto was, I think, spectacular. And I think the fact that this is even a conversation just goes to show how indispensable Daniel Tice has become. And Daniel Tice hit a couple of uh, hit a couple of corner threes in that Toronto game, which he never takes. He never takes corner threes. Uh, I forget what the number is, but... Of all of the the threes that he'd taken, he'd taken like 77, maybe 14 of them had been from the corner. He'd hit three all season long from the corners. Then he took he hit two in that one game. So interesting. And he actually against Orlando had another, he was going to take a corner three, but instead he drove it and kicked. But still, it, Daniel Tice has become very indispensable for this team. If he, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it, but I can't imagine having to start Cantor or Rob and then having to go, Grant Williams is now out of the rotation, 
apparently. Brad Stevens, and I don't know that Brad Stevens trusting a rookie, I guess that, that was never, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have thought that he was going to go trust a rookie as much as I thought he might. He might have to put Grant in, but we'll see. Anyway, those are some random thoughts about the Toronto game. We'll see uh, if they can replicate that. That The way they played there is exactly how they need to play. If they play every playoff game like they played that Toronto game, they're going to be in great shape. They're going to get to the conference finals, and they have a good chance, a good chance in the conference finals if they play like that. We'll be back all week, so subscribe if you're not a subscriber Monday through Friday. This podcast keeps on rolling with the daily grind, so subscribe, follow on Spotify. You regular listeners, a good five-star rating, a good written review would be great. Also, subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. I host it on Wednesdays along with Jake Madison, so be sure to subscribe to that as well wherever you get podcasts. Rate and review that. Buy my book. Pre-order my book, The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, the best players at each each position for the Seas. It's available wherever books are bought and i know a lot of you buy them on on amazon it had been the number one new basketball book out there so go ahead and pre-order that share it tell your friends buy it for your friends and tell them about the podcast thanks for listening to the lockdown celtics podcast here on the lockdown podcast network Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.